Hey, I hope you guys are having a great day. Thank you for including us in your day and welcome to the quest. It's always great to be together. So we're going to open up with a word of prayer. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I do know this, that we need God in our life. We need his strength. We need his peace. We need his spirit to give us the strength and courage that we need for life, for all the things that we're facing. And I don't know what you're facing in your life, but I imagine it's big stuff. I imagine even the little things over a long period of time become big things. And so I just want to encourage you to take those issues, those cares, those anxiety, the worries that you might have in your life and that you'd give them over to God. He's waiting on that. He's waiting on you to surrender them. He can then step in and give you the strength that you need. So let's pray together. Father, we come to you right now and I just lift up my friends to you. First of all, Father, it is such a great privilege that we have to be together. It is such a great privilege that we have to spend time with you. Father, I just ask that you would step into the chaos of our lives. And you know, my friends, you know my life. Father, you know exactly where we need you most. And I just ask that you would step in. We give you permission to go into our lives and to make the corrections that need to be made. Father, that you would give us the strength that we need, that you would give us the courage that we need, you give us the faith that we need for the times that we live in. Father, you're so good to us. You are so loving to us. And I just want to say thank you. Father, I want to say help us today to trust you. Open our hearts that we can really hear what you're saying to us. And beyond my words, I ask that your spirit would speak to each one of our hearts, that you would pinpoint things in our lives individually that we need to hear specifically from you. And we ask this, Father, in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Listen, we are in a great series. For a fact, we're wrapping it up this week. It's a great series entitled Kingdom Come. And we are a part of this conflict of two kingdoms. We live in, this, in the middle of this conflict. We're exposed to the conflict of the kingdom of God as well as the kingdom of Satan. I mean, we see the influence of the kingdom of Satan on this culture that we live in. And my hope is that you have discovered through this series something you can write down, and that is this, because we need it so much. The kingdom of God brings the peace of God. We need the kingdom of God in our lives. As I've said, the kingdom of God was Jesus' primary message all throughout his ministry. The rule of God in our lives brings the peace of God for life. And when we give the control of our life to God, he establishes peace that we need for life. And we really need his peace for the times that we live in. Because without peace, we live in fear. A scripture that you know probably in Colossians says this, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. We need the peace of God to rule our lives for sure. God wants you to personally live from peace that comes from his presence in your life. The peace that comes from trusting him in all that you're going through. And I hope that his peace does rule your hearts today. We've been looking at these attitudes that Jesus says defines the kingdom of God. And what we've discovered is this, you can write it down. The king of the kingdom establishes the attitudes of the kingdom. So whatever kingdom you choose to be a part of, whether it's the kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of God, your king will establish the attitudes that rule your life. 
I want to say that again. The king of your life will establish the attitudes of your life. So we've been going through these attitudes and the attitude that we're going to be looking at today says this, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. This is an interesting attitude for us to look at today, especially in all that's going on in our world, especially in all that's going on in our lives. Maybe it's just my life and maybe you're good, but this peacemaker issue is something that we all deal with. It feels like war is about to break out worldwide. Every kingdom in this world is poised to attack. The world longs for peace. It's looking for peace. It needs peace. So something that's important to understand as all these kingdoms are poised for war is this. War doesn't bring peace. It brings justice and protection. Even in the war that's going on today in Israel, they are fighting for justice. They are fighting to protect themselves. They're fighting to protect one another that they love so much. Now here's the issue. There are varying degrees of the beliefs and opinions on whether Christians should be engaged in war. Many Christians believe that as Christians we are to be pacifists, to never engage in war. Others believe that physical war is our spiritual obligation. So we all have different beliefs maybe about this issue. My beliefs might differ from yours. But as I try to ratify all these things and as I try to work through them with God, one of the things that I find is that the scripture says love protects. And I know that if we don't fight evil, that evil will overtake us. If you read the Old Testament, God always used war to overtake and conquer evil. If you read the book of Revelations, it talks about the final war when it says this, it says, together they will rage war against the Lamb, who is Jesus, and the Lamb will conquer them, for he is Lord over all lords and King of kings, and his people are called and chosen and faithful ones. I personally believe that war is inevitable in this world when it comes to possessing physical land and property. I mean, God used war to get the children of Israel the promised land that he gave to them. We see God's people engaged in war in the Old Testament. A few scriptures are these. In Deuteronomy it says, So when you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own, you shall not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you. David writes in Psalms, he says, Praise be to the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. He is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues people under me. Moses wrote this. He said, the Lord is a man of war and the Lord is his name. Then when you read Ecclesiastes, it says this, there is a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. But of course, you also have one of the Ten Commandments found in Exodus that says, Thou shalt not kill. Now, by the way, when it says thou shalt not kill, a lot of Bible scholars believe that the word that they translated that's used for kill should better be used as murder. So in other words, you should not murder, which is to unjustly kill someone. Listen, I'm not trying to justify or promote war, but I do believe this and you can write it down. While we are always ready to defend and protect what God has entrusted to us, 
we first do all we can to prevent war and promote peace. That is where our heart is. It's not that we're looking for a battle. It's not that we're looking for war. We're always seeking to prevent war and we're always seeking to promote peace. While we are willing to fight and defend, we must first seek peace. And that is important because of this attitude that we're looking at. And I'll put it up again where it says, blessed are the peacemakers. This attitude of being a peacemaker allows us to be called children of God. Truth is, people around us need to experience God's peace within us. The people around me need to experience God's peace within me. All of us. God wants us to be agents of his peace in this world. In a culture that is ugly with hate and anger, Jesus sends us out as peacemakers. And as this world becomes more and more polarized, we cannot. If we're going to be peacemakers, we need to understand the problem. And you can write this down. Peace is a heart issue. Most of us don't consider that conflict is really not about the issues that we're arguing about. Issues that appear to divide us. It's much deeper than these issues. Conflict is a result of selfishness in our heart. James 4 says it. That where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think that they just happen? Think again, they come because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. See, to live as a peacemaker affects every relationship in your life. From your spouse, to your kids, to your neighbors, to your friends at work, and even your enemies. And it's also about how you live in this world as a foreign citizen of this world because we're citizens of heaven first and foremost. So really quick, let's look at what peacemakers are not. And first of all, it's this. What peacemaking is not is not avoiding conflict. Some think that keeping peace is simply not rocking the boat. If you run from conflict, you'll be running your whole life. Avoiding conflict is not peacemaking. Peacemaking also is not appeasing others. It doesn't mean that we always have to give in or we always have to let others get their way, or we just grin and bear it and we don't say anything. No, that is not what peacemaking is. It's also not winning an argument. Some people think that peacemaking is winning an argument or winning someone to my side. And something that's really important about this issue because a lot of people enter into conflict trying to win people onto their side and they believe that that's peacemaking. But you can write this down. Why we enter conflict will reflect how we act in conflict. This is true about every relationship we have conflict in. Why we enter conflict will reflect how we act in the conflict. If we engage in conflict to be right, we will always be wrong. This goes back to last week's issue of having a pure heart. We can't do the right things with the wrong motives. If we do the right things with the wrong motives, that still makes us wrong. Because how we act in conflict reveals our heart. If we're going to understand why we enter into conflict, then we need to understand the definition of what it means to be a peacemaker. And the definition is this. It's someone who enters conflict to reconcile people to God and to one another. A peacemaker is a person that chooses to engage in relational conflict with health and purpose from a gospel perspective. 
So we have to understand what peacemaking is if we're going to be effective at it. You see, there's a primary purpose of why we engage in conflict. You can write this down. The primary purpose of a peacemaker in conflict is reconciliation. I'm not saying that we don't need to resolve conflict because we do, we should, but that's not our primary purpose. In Romans, it says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The problem is, is it's not always possible. But in our hearts, our desire is for it always to be our primary purpose. See, I think we get into trouble when we seek resolution over reconciliation. In other words, we try to fix the problem without the posture of relationship with the individual. And then it becomes a battle of our wills. Something else you can write down is this. When we focus on resolution, we tend to try to fix the person rather than the problem. See, being able to resolve issues is not always possible, as I said. We can agree to disagree, and we can have unity without uniformity. We can walk hand in hand without seeing eye to eye. See, when our primary purpose is to restore relationship, the issues that we have really become insignificant. In 2 Corinthians, it tells us this. It says that God has restored our relationship with Him through Christ and has given us this ministry of restoring relationships. God was in Christ restoring the relationship with humanity. He didn't hold people's faults against them. And He has given us this message of restored relationships to tell others. We are Christ's representatives. And He goes on to say, we beg you on behalf of Christ to become united with God. So something that's important you can write down is this. We first seek to reconcile people to God. A peacemaker first seeks to reconcile people to God. Because without God, there is no peace. Lasting peace begins with a changed heart, which comes from a reconciled relationship with God, a surrender will and a trust in God. Reconciling people to God is essential for them to experience peace in their life. But we also, and you can write this down, we promote reconciliation with others. See, we were made for relationship with God and others. There is no such thing as being incompatible. We are all different and we can choose to get along and choose to love or not to love. The message of reconciliation is found in Jesus' words to us about what's most important. He says this, You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. So just a couple of things to consider here. In order to be peacemakers, you can write this down. We need peace with God to have the peace of God. We need peace with God to have the peace of God. And the peace that we are talking about is nothing that we can create on our own. It, be, it comes because of what Jesus did on the cross. It is a byproduct of our surrender to God and our relationship and our connection with God. Romans 5 says it this way, that since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, because we put our faith into Jesus, we have peace with God because of what Jesus our Lord has done for us. And then from this relationship, Jesus says this, I'm leaving you with a gift. And here's the gift he's leaving us. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. We need peace with God 
to have the peace of God. When we have peace with God, what happens around us doesn't upset us. And we really need that in the things that we're going through in this life. I want to encourage you to allow God's peace to guide your life. In other words, I want to encourage you to allow His peace to relax you, to bring calm into your life, into the conflict of your life, into the uncertainties of life, and into the issues of life that you face. Also, to be peacemakers, you can write this down, peace with God changes how we address conflict. See, the conflict that we encounter is not about people or issues that appear to divide us. We don't avoid the conflict or appease people. We don't try to fix people. And we don't expect ungodly people to have godly values. But here's what we can and must do. It's found in James. It says, those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. I like this idea of planting seeds of peace. It's not a quick fix. For seeds to grow, it takes time and there's a process. It requires care and nurturing and, and invested time. When you understand planting and harvesting, here's something that's really exciting. You get way more than you plant. You can plant one kernel of corn and get back thousands of kernels of corn. You can plant one tomato seed and get hundreds of tomatoes. We always get returned to us way more than we plant. So how do we plant seeds of peace so that we can experience peace? The first one is this. We make peace our responsibility and priority. Is peace your priority? More than that, is it your responsibility? And I would say, yes, it is. We don't run from conflict. We have to run to conflict. And I'm not saying that we have to like it. Very few people like conflict. But we have to recognize the responsibility before us. It's our responsibility to make the first move. Jesus said it this way. He said, if you're standing before the altar in the temple giving an offering to God, and you suddenly remember someone has something against you, leave your offering there beside the altar. Go at once and first be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your gift to God. He didn't say if they have something against you, well, it's on them to resolve it. Even if it's their issue, it's our responsibility. We make the first move. Remember, our primary purpose is reconciliation as peacemakers. Another way that we plant seeds of peace is this. Seek to understand before seeking to be understood. I think this is a huge one because we always want to be understood. A lot of the problems that people have in conflict is wanting to be understood rather than seeking to understand. There is always hurt in conflict. We think we argue over these issues, but really we argue over emotions and feelings. Conflict is usually about someone getting their feelings hurt or they've been slighted or they feel taken advantage of. We tend to blame people rather than seek to understand the hurt that they're going through and how that hurt affects them and it affects us and it affects others. If you want to connect with people, if you want to be reconciled with people, you have to start with their needs and their hurts. And the best place to start is to listen, to allow them to talk and not interrupt. 
And it's not just listening to the words that are coming out of their mouth. It's also listening to their emotion and the hurts that they're communicating behind their words. I mean, James tells us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. When we focus on listening to understand, we stop thinking about defending ourselves or our opinion. Seek to understand rather than to be understood. Another way that we plant seeds of peace is this. I deal with my fear. The one thing that gets in the way and prevents reconciliation is fear. What we don't understand about others makes us uncertain about their motives and their intentions. And this fear makes us distant, demanding, and defensive. Fear keeps us from connecting at a deeper level. Fear prevents us from understanding or having a heart that seeks to understand. So where do we get this courage that we need to, to face the person or to go to the person with the right heart and to bring reconciliation? Where do we get that courage? From the Holy Spirit. Scripture tells us that there's no fear in love and that God is love. Get full of God and the fears will go away. Make your love for God greater than your fear of others. As I said, perfect love casts out all fear. And you know the scripture, but it says it this way in 1 John. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. We'll never seek to resolve conflict and we'll never be effective in reconciliation without love. Fear will always keep us distant from others. Fear will cause us to protect ourselves rather than seek to understand. One last way that we plant seeds of peace is this. I speak the truth tactfully with love. People say, I just tell it like it is. That's called being rude. Don't be proud of that. That means you're a jerk and rude. It's more important for you to say what you feel than to seek to understand. If you say it offensively, it will be received defensively. They will remember the emotion of your tone more than the words from your mouth. People that just tell it like it is care more about their own message than they do about the people that they're talking to. It comes across like you're just wanting to get something off your chest. Ephesians says this, Speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. See, truth is not enough. It's more than what we say. It's how we say it. Again, if we're yelling at people, whether it's our kids or our spouse or our neighbors or whoever, they're no longer hearing what we're saying. They're just processing our emotion. They remember the emotion, not the message. See, truth without love is resisted. Truth with love is received. And I would just encourage you, don't use truth as a club to beat people with. A lot of times we feel like because it's the truth that everybody needs to hear it and they, we're not concerned with how we say it. So we take the truth and we beat people with it. In Proverbs it tells us that reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. How we say the truth matters. Foolish words hurt, wise words heal. It's all in how you say it. I want to encourage you as a citizen of the kingdom of God that you would allow the peace of God to be formed in you. Strive for peace because it reflects your king. And that peace will not just bring reconciliation, it will bring the protection that you need. 
Listen to the scripture in Philippians. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything that we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We need peace that is greater than the circumstances around us and greater than the storm that's within us. We need peace with God to have the peace of God. If you don't have that today, I want to encourage you to surrender your life to Christ, that you would step into this relationship with Jesus, that you would ask God to be the center of your life, that you would put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross, that you would understand that what God did by sending his son cost him everything. But that's what was necessary and he values you that much. He loves you that much that he was willing to send his son to pay the penalty for your sins and that he raised his son from the dead so that you too could have new life. We need this new life. We need this new life to be in the kingdom of God. And it all starts by us surrendering to God. So let's do that together. Heavenly Father, we come to you and I just lift to you, my friends, those that are listening that maybe they have never stepped into this relationship with you. And I ask that as they surrender themselves and they make you the center of their life, that as they evaluate the chaos of their life, they recognize they need your peace. They need you to be the foundation of their life, to bring strength to their life. And I ask that you would just help them today, that you would step in and resolve the conflict that they personally have with you. And that at, from that conflict resolution, that you would establish a peace within them that allows them to have peace with others. Father, help us in how we live in this world, in the conflicts of this world, that we are a part of. Help us to first seek peace. Help us to be peacemakers, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Peacemakers is not an easy thing. It's not like something that you can generate and create on your own. God has to create this within us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. So I want to encourage you to not get frustrated, to not lose heart as you might wrestle with these things. As I have told you, I'm wrestling with this myself in how we as Christians are to protect what God has given to us as well as promote peace that he's given within us. I know this, we need God's peace for the times that we live in. While others around us might reject us, we can still be ruled and governed by the peace of God because the King lives within us. I just want to say thank you guys so much for being with us and making us a part of your day. I want to thank you so much for your patience with us. And I just want to say we love and appreciate you. We are praying for you. Have a great rest of your week. God's very best to you. Bye-bye.